You're listening to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, a show for the creative entrepreneur, the radiant leaders, and the rebels at heart. If you're ready to get radically visible, use your voice, and take up space, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Brittany Hammond, filmmaker, story mentor, and serial entrepreneur. Brand Interrupted means liberating yourself from the conditioning and discerning the many contradictory voices of society, family, friends, media, coaches, gurus, anyone or thing that has fit you into a box of check marks and labels, and instead coming back home to yourself. In this podcast, we are all about appointing yourself as the authority and leader of your life. Embrace yourself unconditionally, strip down to your white hot truth, cultivate self-trust and awaken your confidence within so that you can be your true expression in the world, in your life, your relationships, and your business. Ready for some real, raw, and unfiltered conversations? I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to season four of the Brand Interrupted Podcast. Today we have Ty Hunter on the show, and I gotta say this <laughs> this was an episode of just it kind of felt like two girls spilling their hearts, having a girl chat. And so Ty and I share our experiences around being a love hoarder and a serial cheater. So this is a great episode for anyone who is looking to improve the quality of their relationship with their partners. And this, of course, starts with healing thyself. So Ty Hunter is an educated talk therapy therapist who also does RTT hypnotherapy. It's her gift and purpose to facilitate guidance, tools, and unconditional love to accelerate growth and create lasting positive changes. She believes anyone can truly learn to love themselves and live a successful, abundant, fulfilling life. So this is really a thought-provoking and revelatory episode all about transgenerational beliefs and the trauma that actually shows up in our relationship dynamics how we create coping mechanisms, and living in the light and darkness and understanding where self-betrayal comes from. So let's just dive in because this was such a good episode. But before that, I want to let you know that this podcast is being sponsored by Untamed Productions. And as a free gift for you, we have a three-part video series called Audaciously You on Camera, Heal Your Visibility Wounds, Tap into Your Core Message, and Awaken Your Confidence on Camera. In this video series, we cover the two core visibility wounds that prevent you from showing up as yourself and promoting your business with ease and grace, three pivotal reasons why your signature brand story is vital, and how to, an actual step-by-step how to write your core message in a way that actually lands with people. And the third video is how to speak from the heart on camera and harness the power of your voice to captivate and engage your viewers. This three-part video series includes a PDF playbook with powerful exercises to transform your fear into fuel, writing prompts to connect with your audience, and daily practices to elevate your self-belief and confidence. With that being said, let's dive into the episode with Ty Hunter. Hey guys, welcome back to the Brand Interrupted Show. Woo! <laughs> Yay! 
<laughs> Bring on. I'm going to call you my blonde bombshell. I don't know if that's the word that came to me. When I'll I- take it. I will take it all day. Yes, girl. <laughs> is here with us today. And this is kind of one of a, a rare episode where I've actually never spoken to you before. Like I've never spoken to one of my guests before. So we are meeting in the moment. Yes. Uh, which is really fun. So welcome to the show. How are you Thank doing today? <laughs> I'm doing wonderfully. How about you? Amazing. So just diving in right away, what drew, like, how did you get into RTT therapy? Because that's, that's a big part of your work, right? Yes. Yes. So um, RTT therapy is a hypnotherapy. It's a regression hypnotherapy. So it's basically a therapy within hypnotherapy. So um, I'm educated in talk therapy um, I, there's definitely a place for regular therapy. I advocate it, but it is definitely one of those things where you go in week after week and talk about the problem. Yeah. With hypnotherapy is kind of moving through to the solution. And with regression hypnotherapy, you get into that subconscious and figure out what and when and the cause and root of a limiting belief. And once you know exactly when it started, that's when you can extract that belief and then replace it with a new empowering belief, and it really changes the results of your life. So for for me, getting into it, I got into it because I was, like most, um, consciously I was very, very aware that um, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel like I was good enough, smart enough, lovable, all the the array of insecurities that I (laughs) was, you know, suffering from on a daily basis. And I would go to therapy and I'm giving therapy and it just was never, I can never figure it out. And with RTT hypnotherapy, which is created by Marissa Peer, Mm -hmm. um, she introduced me to it. I instantaneously knew that not feeling lovable was not about me not feeling lovable. It was the fact that I was raised with a beautiful, resilient, wonderful mother, but a very, very depressed human. Like, this, my mom was amazing, but I was raised in a family where um, when you have a depressed parent, if anyone's had a depressed parent, they understand that you're always seeking the approval and the love of your parent. And um, just like everybody else, I was, I didn't understand at the age as a child that it wasn't me. So it was me being like, mom, look at me, look at me. I I can make you happy. Like, why is she not happy? And it wasn't me. And so kind of going into hypnotherapy and realizing that those beliefs were just kind of manufactured as a result of feeling her sadness and never getting her attention and never able to please and, and make her happy was the residual of that was me feeling like, well, I'm just not enough and I'm not lovable. And so it changed my life completely. I know what it's like to be on the side of feeling like I'm not good enough. And then I also know now what it's like to feel mighty and strong and know that my belief now is I am lovable and it is my mission to give that to others. It's yeah. like completely changed my life. That's beautiful. I, it's, it's, I've, so I've done RTT before and something I came across cause I grew up in a very like dysfunctional environment. And I spent my whole life in talk therapy and I'm now 30. I just turned 30. And I always question, I'm like, why didn't none of my therapists like get to the root of the issue? 
it just, it boggles my mind. And so I spent the past, I would say two years on this healing journey. I think it actually started when I discovered RTT hypnotherapy because I was like the subconscious mind. What is this? <laughs> so juicy. <laughs> and um, I think I discovered it from like the Jess Lively show. Cause I think. Mm, oh yeah. Yeah. I discovered it in the Norse appear. And then that, you know, once you find one healing modality, then you kind of go down the rabbit hole and you're, you have an awakening. That was like, yes. <laughs> and, um, and since then I've done EMDR, I've done a lot of like body and movement therapy because my trauma was like being out of my body, which is why, like I was just saying before I hit record, I was doing this video of me just dancing because when I have high anxiety, like I have to get back into my body. So, um, I'm really curious though, because you kind of have both perspectives, like when someone is going to talk therapy and they're kind of like not progressing forward, but they maybe don't understand like what the subconscious mind or hypnotherapy is. Like, how do you kind of, how do you kind of like explain the transformation or, you know, someone, you know how you know how you kind of have that state where like you're in disbelief, like you don't even know that there's a way out of it. Like, how do you kind of, yeah. It's about, it's really truly about the language that you say to yourself. So a big part of the hypnotherapy is getting to exactly when that happened so that you have the power now to have the clarity into what what happened when it happened and now I have the choice to either believe what happened and believe that that person was correct or I can now I can now choose because that's the real big thing is that we have the choice a lot of times in depression or anxiety you think that it's not a choice yeah. you think oh, it's just my life and you're so focused on what is and in the moment that you don't realize that you have the choice to change it so you can have the belief of you know i'm i'm not worthy or i don't deserve or um i'm feeling um like i'm really sad um or or going down into the complete darkness of i don't even want to live anymore yeah well that can feel daunting, but the mind doesn't know the difference between the, a lie and the truth. Right. So if I tell clients is that you have to start, even if it feels really foreign and, and it doesn't feel like it's the truth, use the phrases that you're using now, I'm not worthy, and just reverse them, just flip them and just say the positive because eventually that becomes a habit. Right now, your habit is all negative. It's all depleting and, and completely um, the self-talk is, is really the self-talk of depression and anxiety. You can then transfer that into positive self-talk and there will come a day when that absolutely flips and then you can hear those thoughts as repetitive because repetition is the mother of all learning. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just choosing the different uh, language, the positive language, and then just repeating it, repeating it over and over and over again. Yeah. Like you said, and, and, and um, getting physical with it. You got to change your state. Yeah. So that was brilliant what you did when you're like, I'm feeling anxiety. I, it, you can name it anxiety or you can name it excitement. So it's the same bodily sensation. So what you chose was, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's anxiety. In fact, I'm gonna say I'm really excited and I'm gonna dance. I'm gonna feel good, and that completely changed your entire mentality. So that was brilliant what you did. 
Well, and it cha- it's funny because like, so I am a former professional dancer. So I've <laughs> always been like performing and dancing. And then when I, I moved to France 10 years ago and I, I just stopped dancing like point blank. Um, and I recently took up pole dancing. Love. Just, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, it's really physically painful, but I'm loving it. <laughs> Have you done it before? No. <laughs> That's so funny. You're like, it's physically painful, but I love it. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. you walk out of there, I think, like, you're just covered in bruises. Love like, that. <laughs> your body against a pole. That's what it is. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's like, it's so interesting because there comes a point like when you learn all these tools and then you have to integrate them. And so even though I've suffered my whole life from anxiety, I think something really interesting. I was thinking about this earlier because I sat there for almost the whole day, like trying to breathe and I'm like, mm-hmm. do your rituals. And then I was like, no, I'm just going to stay in it. Like I had to like really discipline myself to be like, girl, get up, <laughs> like, yeah. do your shit, do your meditation because I knew I had. So because I'm in Paris, I'm always like hours ahead of North yeah. America. So yeah. like my end of the day, I'm like, you have client meetings, you have podcasts, like you need to get back into your performance state. So like, I'm like, okay, do the meditation, do the dance. And then I actually did feel instantly better. It was like, everything just melted away. And I think I like what you said about how it really just is a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious if you've ever come across this, like maybe even with potential clients or just with your audience or whoever you're speaking with, where like they're kind of on the brink of change, but they can't really like reconcile with like, you know, kind of taking that leap or they're like having an inner battle between their conscious and their subconscious mind. Like, and then it becomes this thing of like integrity because you're like, well, how do I, how do I lovingly guide them through this? Yes. Have you ever experienced that before? I mean, it's definitely, the mind loves the familiar. So if you, if you're, you know, if you're 30 and ever since you are three years old, you have had this belief, it's not your belief, but you don't know this, that you're not lovable, that you're not enough, that you're not worthy. You have this belief. The familiar for you is I'm not worthy. And so it's easier. Sometimes it even, it's, it's such a bizarre thing, but sometimes it even feels good to have, to just be in the sadness. Yeah. Like when you're having like an off day and you're just like, you know, screw it. I'm going to be angry. Cause I just, this just feels right right now. <laughs> and, 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 and that's the battle is that you have to go, okay, does it feel right? Or is it what I've done my whole life to cope? Because wow. this is how I cope. And so you have to be, you got to be conscious enough or put it on a post-it to have the wherewithal to stop in your tracks and go, this isn't right. This is what feels familiar. It feels good only because that's all I know. That's what I've known. I have to choose again. And that's where it's at. That's where the work is at. And so when someone's right at the brink, I'm like, listen, you're going to fail a million times. That's just the way it goes. You, You have to fail. To, to then feel the triumph. You have to struggle to understand struggle. You have to struggle to then feel the light. The dark equals the light. Yeah. So once, if they're in it, I'm like, just again, 
just keep going, keep going, because your miracle is so close. You know, if you hear the stories of people that are incredibly successful, they failed 200 times. These very wealthy people, you have to not look at the end result. You have to look at the struggle. You have to remember to go back and, and read their story because chances are they've, they've lost it all. They've had a health crisis. They've lost the loved one, the love of their life. They've had all these struggles and the end result is what you want. And I get that. But you have to go back and look at their story. They didn't just get there overnight. You have to go through the failures. Yeah. Don't stop. That's what I always tell. Just don't stop. Your miracle is so close. It's, it's right when those people, when people stop that you hear that then, then they could have won. Yeah. So that's really where it is. Yeah. I, good stuff. I went to my like, first Tony Robbins conference. He was six. Oh yeah. Like six, seven years ago now it was date with destiny in Palm Springs. And that was kind of the first time in my life where that was my gateway drug into personal development. <laughs> yeah. I love Tony Robbins. He's so good. Yeah. He talked about, I can't remember his exact language now, but it's like when you have, um, Oh gosh, how does he say it now? Anyways, I have like a core where you have conflicting beliefs. That was, that was like the first time. And so for me, I had this thing around like always wanting to be seen and understood, but then at the same time, like fearing people's opinions, rejection, judgment, like all the things. And so I, I've, I've literally spent my life back and forth in this dance. And I think sometimes it's hard for people on the outside to like, it's almost like they don't believe me because, because I have a background in performing. I learned how to mask that. I learned how to play a role. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> so, most, most creatives, yes. Yeah, and um, there's something you talked about on your website about kind of um, living in the space of like darkness and light. So um, something that I loved about, I think when, like at that time when I was going to Tony Robbins, I was, I, like I've always been someone to study biographies because I've always been interested in, what's the story? Like my whole body of work is around story. Like I work in film, so I'm always creating things. (laughs) And, um, I found that when I got into this personal development world and then into the online space, I constantly felt frustrated because I'm like, but no one's sharing the real story. Like this is all bullshit. This is not, and I don't mean to say that in like a negative way to talk down the industry, but I was just like, there's got to be a more truthful way to really share, like, because it's only in those dark moments and in like, you know, you don't have to have a rags to riches story, but it's, it's it, like, it's in those moments that you can really be of service to someone. Like no one really cares about like your hundred K sales in one month or whatever. Like, that's not, like you said, that's the result, but it's mm-hmm. the struggles that the person went through to get there because no one just hits a hundred K and it was the easiest thing, no sweat. Right. That's just like, no. <laughs> so well, it's almost unfair. Sorry to interrupt. It's, yeah. it's almost unfair to, to then say, well, that was just so easy for me. Like it was, it's, it's, you're literally, it's nobody, you're untouchable. No one can relate to you. You're on yeah. your own little planet. So great. Like be on your own planet. I'd rather hear about the person that it took their blood, sweat and tears so that I don't feel so bad that it also like, Oh, I've also been through that. Now we're buddies. Now I get it. Like now we can, we can relate and feel like we are closer as human. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. You said that a lot. 
what are some of like the light and dark moments or like what is one of those moments that really like catapulted you um whether it be like in your personal life or your business yeah um i actually had uh i i always wish that people don't have to get to tragedy to kind of have a life change yeah uh, i myself had a tragedy to have a life change um my my mother who i again could just never kind of get in. I really just sought her approval and love and I just couldn't, I could not get in. Um, she passed away three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at the time I was in a relationship with a beautiful, wonderful human and I did not want to cope. I did not want to deal. And so I ended up, uh, numbing out. And, um, this wonderful man was like, I, you know, you need to talk about it. It's really good for you. And instead, I ended up, unfortunately, breaking his heart and uh, ended up with a man who was like, you don't have to think, you don't have to feel, you can numb out, it's totally fine. And I was like, beautiful. So I ended up being in a toxic relationship. I mean, I've had, you know, this is not the first. <laughs> you know, we have, before my healing, I had patterns, right? So, and, and by the way, I still work every day. It's a daily practice to get rid of those patterns. I ended up with a, a very, not, gosh, he, he was still a good human also. It, you know, this is not against him. Yeah. But because I was so unhappy and so numb and so, uh, you know, not dealing with the real emotions of my mother's passing, I ended up with a fatal colon twist, which I truly believe, and people can argue with me, but I definitely believe that I manifested this mm-hmm. and in the hospital fighting for my life. So um, I, I understand completely when people have health conditions and things that they're suffering with, because I believe that we can repress, 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 repress. And what ends up happening is we have things like a fatal colon twist that um, I nearly died from. I, was saved. And, um, I knew that I could not be in this relationship anymore. I had to deal with my mother's death and, um, I had things had to change and I don't wish that upon anyone. I hope that people can come to this before a tragedy hits or a crisis hits, mm-hmm. but that's usually a very good wake up call to be like, I'm, I can't live like this anymore. I have to deal and, and change. And so that was, that's what happened to me. Yeah. So was it like, was there a specific moment, like, like, were you in the hospital or was it like a gradual kind of like realization or did you kind of have that intuition there before, but you weren't listening to it? Like what? Yeah. We all have it. That's why it's it's so interesting because you can have that inner guidance that, and and I that's why I know like with health conditions and things, it really is a manifestation of of all the things that you're suppressing and you have you know your guides or your inner intuition, whatever you want to call it, the creator of the universe, whatever it may be, is just throwing. Th- I mean, first it's a whisper. I think Oprah says this. First it's a whisper. And then it's like, um, I forget the exact thing that she says, but it, it definitely resonated with me. Like first it's a whisper and it's like a tap and then it's, uh, you know, a hit. And then it's like a brick to the head. So like my colon t- twist was a brick to my head. Like, wake up girl, you're going to die. You're going to die. You, this is, this is your body telling you that you're killing yourself by repressing everything that you know to be true. 
there were a million red flags. Like I can't, I could like live, like list the hundreds of red flags that were like, you are dying inside. So certainly it was, it was a case of, I am ignoring this. I do not want to deal with this. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Exactly what you said, put on a happy face. And I come from a perfectionistic family yeah. You don't talk about your weaknesses. You go out there and you you don't talk about things. You go out there and you be perfect. And boy, that's the surest way to end up in a hospital. And that's the surest way to be in a complete and utter darkness. So, yes. <laughs> so interesting that you bring this up because I think this has been a theme. And I like I was not planning on talking about this, but to make kind of like a long story into a condensed version, um, it was back. I got out of a five-year relationship that again had a small voice that it like, I mean, there was things that like blatantly crossing boundaries, like cheating, like public embarrassment, like just the whole thing. And I didn't um, deal with that for eight months. I never used to understand when people would be like, they, they don't cry after the death of someone or they don't mourn it. But I experienced it for nine months. I went into denial. Of course that built up in my body and I got into breath work as you know. Oh. Yeah. And I did this breath work session and the voice was like, you need to deal with this. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, long story short, I ended up in the hospital. This was like in May um, for issues with my lady parts. So sacral root chakra, the whole thing. And at the same time, this is when I started pole dancing uh, I also was having like past life visions of, I don't know, like how woo you, woo you, woo you are, but I was yeah. having past life visions of being a stripper. And so I was like, <laughs> and then I was like over, someone calls me up and is like, I want you to film with me in Amsterdam. So I was like, okay, just the place where prostitution is legal. So we're just going to keep diving into this. And it was the day that I got back from Amsterdam that I compl- I won't go into like the disgusting details, but I basically like it was really gruesome what happened. It was like just a shit show, basically like rash, blood, like the whole thing. So I ended up in the hospital and here in France, I'm not even like in my home country. And, um, that's when I started to have to deal with things. And then the consequences after. So in between time, I ended up, I actually made this declaration that I was like, I have done nothing but betray myself in relationships. So I'm going to be single. And then of course you meet the man of your dreams and you're like, this is not the right time, but it happens anyways. And he is just like, he grew up with two parents that were like, I love you. (laughs) You know? Yes, I do. You're like, what's that? (laughs) I'm in this relationship where I'm being respected He's taking care of me. I'm getting the love I never got from my parents through this. Uh, And then I'm like, I'm like feeling uncomfortable about receiving, mm. which links to the whole like prostitution because being paid for sex. I mean, it was all the things were like connecting and I had to take some time off of work and it was really hard to like surrender into receiving. And I remember he like invited me to Barcelona and I was like, you are not paying for that. Like, I will not tolerate this. Like you're not paying for this for me. And, um, it was crazy how, even though this wasn't like life threatening, it really forced me to like step into my feminine 
stop controlling things, learn what it feels like to receive a gift from a man and to be taken care of. Like, it was just like all these things. So yeah, <laughs> like really crazy. And so glad that you did. Because a lot of times that will feel like I, I spoke about unfamiliar and then you're like, oh, w- what is this? Like, it's really healthy and it feels weird. And yeah. it is daunting. It's daunting, right? Yeah. Well, so, and one of the things that I talked about when, when we were first messaging behind the scenes is talking about how these patterns in our family dynamics and how they reproduce in our relationships. And so I thought there was something wrong with this guy. Like I was like trying to find everything. <laughs> I was fan, but um, it was like when Carrie was trying to find what was wrong with Aiden, like I was like, Oh okay. yes, 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 yes. I'm like, you're much older. You're not married. You have no kids. Like I'm going to find what is wrong with you because, <laughs> because I didn't know what a healthy relationship felt like. Yeah. Like I've never experienced that. Um, so yeah, I know you have an article about this, but can you share a little bit about your experience and maybe how you kind of first noticed, like how does, cause this is the thing for me is that like, I didn't know that I was in toxic relationships. So how did you first come into awareness around it? I, I always, I never really believed in kind of love because I was always taught, uh, that you have to be really, really strong and independent and always be with the man that loves you way more than he loves you. That was, that was a belief. That was like, my mom was like, that's how you do it. That's how you survive because men are not, I mean, she really ingrained, this is terrible because she's married to my father, but it's like, she really ingrained into her girls, um, that, or at least for me, mm-hmm. she really ingrained. And then her mother also, my grandmother was like, listen, men are weak. They, they're not good for anything. You just, you're, you just take from them and, um, and allow them to love you more than you love them. That is embarrassing to admit because it's, I had to come to terms with the fact that I was, um, I was a taker and, um, I was also really, really insecure. And so it was never enough. It was like, I was uh, it's so embarrassing to say this, but I was that girl that was like, Oh, like I just needed to be told to the, like just a a nauseous amount that I'm so pretty and I'm so great and I'm so smart and I'm so, and I just couldn't get enough. And then I look back and I'm like, I exhausted these men. Mm. I mean, I just exhausted them. And, and, and cause I take accountability for that and responsibility. And when you're that insecure, you're also attracting someone who's really insecure. Wow. And there was something about that, that I like played on and just needed more and take more. And I just loved that. They just loved and loved and adored me. And I just, I hoarded love. Like I was like, Oh, more, more, more. But I was taught that I got to hoard love. I got to hang on to it for dear life. I can't give it back because if I give it back, that's weakness. And then I'll, I'll no longer have it as opposed to the belief of you give love, you get love back. Healthy love is you give love, you get love back. And that's how I lead my life. I am like, I mean, does it come up once in a while? Like where I'm like, Oh, I can't give because if I give then then I miss out. Of course. But I'm very um, cognizant of it and I recognize it right away. 
And so now it's so different. I'm like, I give love, I get love back. Do I still attract the guys that, you know, of course, I mean, you know, this is, this is something, this is a work, this is a work in progress. But even that is just embarrassing to say that I legitimately hoarded love. It's so unfair. It's like, I so, as you were saying that I so relate and that's interesting (laughs) because I'm the same way, even like, so now I'm dating, I'm, I'm with this amazing partner right now, but love that we don't have the same love languages. And so I'm mm-hmm. all about words of affirmation and he's just not expressive. He's also a cancer. Which is oh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what sign are you? I'm a Leo. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same with cancers. I'm an Aquarius. So like, yeah. they're difficult. They're hard. They're very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, so he doesn't express, but I've actually made peace with this now. And so that, like, we don't have a trigger dynamic anymore. But yeah, but in the past, like I've always been really like, same thing. I needed all the praise and it was never enough. My mentor actually said to me, she's like, I can tell you every day how talented you are, but until you believe it, it's just never going to (laughs) change. But, um, what's interesting is that as I heard you speaking, I was like, oh, I can relate to this, except I attracted men in my life in the past that would not praise me, that would actually not respect me. I'm not going to say abuse because it wasn't to that extent, but, um, they would be overly critical or yeah, that's abuse. Yeah. Yeah. It's emotional abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, would you say just for the listeners so they can kind of identify, um, I guess my core belief is that I didn't deserve the love because I was attracting people that like weren't giving it to me anyways. And it was, it kept like putting salt on the wound, but yeah. for you, like, were you able, were you still attracting partners that were like giving, giving, giving? And it, and if so, do you think that's because you did have a core belief that you're worthy of love or did I? It's interesting. Like for your, so your belief is I got to work for love. Oh, so, yeah. So that's the core belief of that is that that's so true. Oh my gosh. I yeah. Oh my God. With one of my partners, I used to like clean their apartment all the time. And be like, like, like a dog. You're like working. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so like, true. I got to do whatever, like I, whatever it takes, I'm going to do and work for it, work for it, work for it. But ultimately, of course, you don't think you deserve it because then you're like, I'm working, I'm working. Just give me, and I call them crumbs, crumbs of love, because Ooh. then you're like, Oh, I got a crumb. You must love me. I win. <laughs> I win, you know, and it's, and it's like, it's, it's like such an abusive, uh, relationship to yourself because then they give you a little bit of love, that tiny affirmation, like that one affirmation that's like coded in criticism, but you know, they give you, and then you're like, he loves me. I win. I cleaned his apartment. I got a compliment. Yay. Right. That's, that's like a work for love. Me. I believe that I was like, um, uh, colander. Right. You know, when you like sift. So um, I could, I just, I, it was never enough. I was like an empty vat. So for me, it was just like, I always was attracting the guy that would give me an overabundance of love and affection. And, and I would, and of course I was, I was not giving it back, which was, you know, abusive on my part. So, and he was just insecure. So that was the, my pattern has always been, yes, just hoard love 
always, uh, always go for the guy that you know will never break your heart. Always play, play it safe. So kind of knowing that I was, um, oh, and uh, uh, I was, this is, again, very embarrassing to admit, but here we are. Um, my, how I was shown love in, by my father, because my dad, we, there's five of us. Wow. And I'm number four. And I never felt like I could get attention or any love. And I always felt on like an island of my own. I didn't really, I was like the black sheep. I didn't really relate to my brothers and sisters. And so um, they, it was weird. My, my brothers were always getting each other's hand-me-downs and like having to share toys. And then my sisters were always ha having to share toys. And my thing was, I always got the new toy and I always uh, got my, my own. And that was like a source of like pride, like, cause I was like, oh yeah, that means I'm the fit in my mind. My fantasy was I'm the favorite cause I get the new toys and I get the best toys. And so that's another way that I saw love. So a man that would give me things was like mm -hmm. affirmations that would fall right through the sift <laughs> and I fall under, uh, I needed more and more. But then if he would give me like uh, gifts, like, um, uh, and not just any gifts, things, right? That felt like love to me as well. Because when my dad would, would buy me like a Barbie or something, I was like, I, I, this is love. This is love, everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I'd be like, I got the expensive shoes. He must love me. And it is the loneliest, most unfulfilling thing in the whole wide world, because you know that you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Like things are not love. That's never going to be love. And, but, but it was, I had to say that to myself because I knew that it wasn't real, you know? Yeah. I love what you said, just coming back to the crumb analogy, because when I look at the patterns, I actually, so I used to be like a serial cheater and for years, mm -hmm. I could never understand why I had this problem. I actually only figured it out like less than a year ago. And I studied it profusely. I was like, why can't I be loyal to someone? Mm. And, um, but to the crumb analogy, I realized like that was the relationship I had. Um, it's so hard sometimes to like, I don't want to throw my mom under a bus, but <laughs> like that was the relationship I had with her is like, I'll give you some, okay. You're nourished a little bit. Like you won't starve. And so it, I was in these patterns of like, sometimes it was okay. Sometimes it wasn't. And so I actually learned how to self betray. Like that's been the theme of my life is like, I'll just betray myself. Mm. I actually wanted to do this, um, um, this photo shoot. I had this idea. I'm really like visual and artsy. And I wanted to like have me standing on the street with a sign being like, we'll do anything for love. Mm. Like what I, like what I felt like it is just like, like basically whoring yourself out. Not that like I, I did that, but, um, but yeah, but back to the, um, when I started, so I wrote down every relationship I'd ever had starting from like, I don't know, grade seven. And I'm like, what happened in all these relationships? And in every one of them, the guy, um, either cheated on me first or like publicly embarrassed me or left me or did something that like, it was always a public embarrassment. And uh, I realized, well, the reason why I kept cheating is because it was my way of like, you know, having the upper hand essentially, even totally. though it was really wrong. And 
it was so hard because I felt so much guilt. Um, like it was just like, this behavior that was just so wrong. It's embarrassing to like, I know you and I were like, like, I remember just, I remember watching like D Martini, even Tony Robbins, like trying to understand. And then on top of that, I had like, um, guilt being projected from my family. And then here's where this whole like sacral chakra vaginal explosion thing that that tied in is because, Oh God, I can't remember how to say this, but <laughs> we're in it. We're, yeah. we're sure. <laughs> so I, let's just say I wasn't practicing safe sex. So I was accumulating things, <laughs> um, which also again was a sign of like not respecting myself because in my head I yeah. thought, well, I'll just do this all for his pleasure. And when you wear a condom, it doesn't feel as good. So if I just give myself freely, then he'll love me more. Like, it's just so twisted, even when I say it out loud. Um, but I think that's why, like, especially with, with your work and, you know, I'm not by any means a therapist and I don't, I don't help people directly, but, um, the messages in my, in my film, um, these are my messages. Mm -hmm. So I just think like, it's, it's just so powerful. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're probably on the same like wavelength. It's like, once you learn these things, you're like, I need every woman or yes. on the planet to know this. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also because you've, uh, and I'm so like grateful for you to be vulnerable with me. And it's, it's given me obviously space to be vulnerable with you and be like, Oh my God, like this is totally yeah. embarrassing to admit. And, and we've said that, you know, numerous times during this conversation, <laughs> which, but, but that's what you, that's what's necessary so that other people can say, Oh God, I did that too. And yeah. you're exactly right on the money when, when, when we do things like, okay, well, we're going to, I'm going to go cheat on this person. It's, it's, I'm going to reject you by doing this before you can reject me. So yeah. I'm going to do this so that I have this in my back pocket. It, it's like a weird power thing where yeah. but really we're, and we're rejecting ourselves. I'm going to abandon you before you abandon me. Yeah. Therefore I can say I win. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a survival mechanism. It's a protection. Yeah. And I, you know, we all do it. We all are trying to just survive and protect and protect our own hearts and, and allow ourselves to not be hurt. So we'll hurt all, we will hurt ourselves first yeah. Just so we can be like, ah, it wasn't you. You didn't hurt me. I hurt myself first. Yeah. And ultimately, that's really what it is. It's, it's, I love that you take ownership and you're like, you know, this, I went through every relationship. I, I've done the work. I've gone through each one to really, you know, track what it is. Why am I doing this? And that is, is I commend you because that's where everybody needs to be. They have to be brave enough to say, yeah, like, me like I hoarded love like what who does that well a lot of people you know this is protection mechanism like ah like I can't give it back I'll never get it back again no one will ever love me so it's and it's 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 laughable now but it's so painful in the moment yeah I love that you were just so vulnerable and beautiful with me Thank you. Have you heard of like a love avoidant and like the love avoidant attachment styles? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so funny because I always thought I was 
I mean, I didn't realize this, but I guess it was a codependent behavior. But then as you were saying that, I'm like, oh, well, maybe that was like the, like, have you ever witnessed that before? Like even just in clients when they kind of have both? Oh, yeah. 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 There's like an ambivalence and an avoidance. It's yeah. Oh, definitely. There's all kinds of different ways that we will uh, make sure that, that we can uh, be safe. Yeah. So it's always, it's, it's an interesting, um, they bring this up so much uh, more and more and more. I think people are more and more conscious of the fight or flight. Yeah. And we're just in a constant state of, uh, of getting out is surviving and um, it's a protection mechanism. So any attachment style is really just what we know and what we've been taught and you have to work to be uh, a healthy attachment, which is like, so it's like, you're the man that you're with now it's like, it's so foreign to someone like you and I that we're like, well, there's got to be something wrong with you. Or like these, I, I'm the same way where I'm like, wait, your, your, your parents are happily married for how many years? Wow. Do they love you? Like every day? Like they tell you they love, that's great. That's, how did that happen? Like, where'd you? <laughs> so I just saw the Joker. Did you see? I love it. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm obsessed, 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 by the way. So, yes. It's like, it's such, it's just such a piece of art. And it's just of art. So, with my boyfriend, we were watching it. And I grew up, like, being severely emotionally abused, bullying. So, of course, I had so much empathy for, for the Joker. Like, mm-hmm. I was sobbing. I'm like, I can't handle it. Like, it's <laughs> for me. And he was just like not like I mean he loved the movie, but he just did not have the same level of like empathy. And obviously, the solution is not to go and kill people. Like that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like like sometimes I'll say to him, "I'm like you just don't understand because your parents loved you." (laughs) (laughs) Like. This is like really interesting because we actually had one of our like biggest fights. I said to him, um, so there's this thing in French culture where like there's so much pride where apologizing is just like not a thing here. Mm. Also Canadian, so like apologizing is a big thing for us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so for him, like essentially when you apologize in his mind, he perceives it as like taking full blame for something. And for me, I'm like, I just need you to acknowledge, even if by accident you, um, you hurt me. So we had this like big, big, big fight a few months ago. And I was saying to him, I'm like, well, because I experienced this growing up, um, you know, it's really important to me that you communicate in this way. And he was like, well, I am not those people. So I'm not like sure why I'm always, you know, having to take the responsibility for this. And I was like, at first I was mad because I was like, you asshole. And then I was like, is this like a healthy communication? Like he's not taking responsibility for my trauma. Like maybe that's a healthy. And then I was like, what? Like, like, this, um, yeah, just like really interesting how, um, we project our traumas onto people and we expect them to heal, heal it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. That's healthy to an extent. I mean, you obviously you want your partner and, and the, 
you, you and your partner have to learn this together. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the, the thing is that you have to be able to uh, learn together how to communicate because we're, we're not taught in schools, very mm-hmm. tragic, but we need to be taught how to have proper relationships. And I don't just mean romantic friendships. I mean, we're not, this should be a class in school because ultimately you're, of course you're projecting. We're all projecting. That's all. That's, you can't not do that. You project your own experience onto the the next person. That's human nature. It's all we know. And so of course our perception is our projection. Our projection is our perception, right? Mm -hmm. So Really, ultimately, I wish we all knew and took a class on how to communicate with our partners because he would then ultimately say, listen, I hear what you're saying and I'm listening, but maybe we can say it a different way. So tell me how you're feeling. Like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not those people. I'll never be those people. I will never hurt you, but I can't understand until you're able to explain to me what the feeling is. And that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's, it's, it's what the feeling is. I feel betrayed. I feel hurt. Something that you said in there, because it's not about the words. Yeah. So he could say one thing and you're projecting what, oh, this, this feels like an attack. Yeah. Right. But then you can start to say, oh, let's dissect this. What's the feeling? Oh, it feels like an attack. Why does it feel like an attack? What I hear you saying is, and so then you can kind of get outside of both of that. I'm not those people. I get that. You don't, I don't need to, you don't need to talk about that at all. We don't need to talk about whoever made me the way I am and the way I react to things. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, you're exactly right though. At least he is aware enough to say, Hey, I'm, I'm on your side. Yeah. You know, like I'm not them. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not here to hurt you. I just, I just don't see things in the way that you're seeing them. So I think that was really too, because so he's, so I have like three things that I want to say about this and questions for you, but he doesn't use that specific language because he's not, he's not, he just doesn't, well, he speaks French, first of all, but he doesn't have <laughs> But the other thing is that I learned, so his parents have been together for like 40 years, but they also don't, um, he said that they never fought. He said that his dad would, um, the words coming to me in French now, like his dad was, would flee from the situation basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Like <laughs> patterns. <laughs> yeah. So you had this, um, really powerful thing on your website. I'm just going to read it. I think it might've been in a blog actually. And it said true connection is straightforward and respectful. And I just thought that was like, so powerful. Um, Speaking of powerful, I do have to plug in my laptop, but can you tell, like, tell me more about that? Like, what does that mean? And how, how can couples or, or just people, you know, how to be in a relationship? Like, how can they, how can we learn to communicate more effectively and be straightforward and be respectful in the delivery of that? Hmm. I, I, I definitely, well, especially with the girlfriends and, and men as well, but girls do tend to try to decode things and they'll do with their friends, which are the worst people to decode anything with. Yeah. And, um, so like with text messages or, you know, with, you know, when a guy says something, they'll say, well, he said this, but does he really mean this? Yeah. And instead of just asking the, the man and the guy that you're with or the, the friend, 
you're asking someone who has no idea, like they're not in their mind. And a lot of times they're, they're there to medicate you or, or make it so that it's in your favor. Their bias is towards you as their friend. So that was kind of the, the main point of that, that, um, where we can get up in our heads and create stories like, well, his tone was like this and he said this. And based on our last conversation, I'm pretty sure it's this. Yeah. And the, if you want a true connection and you're starting to make up stories in your head about what something means or what they, what the, because here's the thing, again, words are nothing. It's the feeling behind it. So yeah. if you're starting to, if you hear, if someone says something to you and they say one thing, but the feeling is another, always go with the feeling. And so then what we need to do is we get curious True connection is just asking questions yeah. and, and not being afraid. And if you're in a, re- a loving, respectful relationship, they're not going to get annoyed with your questions. In fact, they're going to appreciate, oh, wait, whoa, 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 I was having a bad day at work. Like it had, or like we were on the phone and I, somebody was coming into my office and I was annoyed because they keep coming in. And I've told people numerous times that I'm, I'm in a, on a phone call. And yeah. so it has nothing. A lot of times we have this big miscommunication just because we're afraid to just simply ask, like, it sounded like you're a little bit annoyed with me. And I, I, I don't, I don't understand why. And a lot of like 10 times out of 10 times, a lot of times it really is just, it has nothing to do with you. I'm having a bad day or I'm stressed at work or yeah, it has something to do with you. Last night at dinner, I, you know, I made you, you know, I, I made you some, something really special and you just like gobbled it up and didn't say anything. And that, and that hurts my feelings. And then you're like, Oh, it was great. I'm so sorry. Like, it's like you can squash so many misunderstandments, uh, by, uh, by saying, misunderstandings. That wasn't a word. I made up like a full word right there. I was like, but I totally understood it. <laughs> I was like, that's not a word. Misunderstandings. <laughs> um, by just asking questions. Yeah. It's not the Da Vinci code. It's not, you know, it's, you don't have to decode anything. Just ask. Yeah. And that's a problem with text is that there's no tone. Yeah. We're having, did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, good. Cause you were frozen for a second. Oh. So yeah. So, um, I think that's, that's, and, and if you have a real loving friendship and a real loving relationship, no one's going to have a problem with you just saying, Hey, yeah. it felt like you were a little bit this way, even though you were answering this way. It's yeah. always the feeling, always the feeling you got to go with. Yeah. I love that. I'm curious how you like, how do you kind of separate like your personal life and your work? Like say, for example, you have a friend and she's coming to you. Like, how do you balance like the girlfriend advice versus like, I'm this really amazingly smart woman that can get to the root of it really quickly. Like, do you, do you coach them through it or do you ask their permission? Like, yeah, so I definitely don't. (laughs) Um, if, uh, many, many, many times people that are, are coming to you as a friend and not in as on a professional, you know, there's not an exchange. Like I, you know, I'm paying you for your advice. I'm paying for you to give me, um, something, some sort of, uh, some sort of coaching. Um, a lot of times people just want to be listened to. 
Mm. And so, and that was something, and I had to learn that because at the beginning, of course, I was like, I wanted to just give them the solutions and and some advice. And then I realized like, oh, a lot of times people just want to be heard. And so until someone actually says to me now in life, throughout my entire life, until someone says, what do you think I should do? What do you uh, think about this situation? Until someone asks me for advice, I never give it. Never. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, many people just want to be heard. They're just like somebody, and then you just listen and you're like, okay, I hear you. Yeah. And oftentimes it can trigger, it can like, or at least this was for me, like I needed to be heard. And if I was being coached and I didn't want to be coached, it's like, I just, I don't want to hear like the ultimate solution. I just need you to like hold space for me. Yes. <laughs> like I just want to vent. I'm mad and I want to be mad. Is that okay? Yeah. And if you don't allow that, you'll have no friends. Like you'll just <laughs> I used to have this with my sister because she was the one who got me into Tony Robbins and I'd be like, Can I have my sister and not the coach? Like I would get so <laughs> But then like here's the kicker. So I don't know if this is like arrogant or like ego, but now now that I'm so enlightened, like I have this new girlfriend here in Paris and she was, she's probably going to listen to this too, but like she was telling me about the struggle she was having with her boyfriend and I was reading the text messages and I was like, I cannot coddle her through this. Like I so blatantly see what she's struggling with. Like I was like, I can't, I was like, I'm just going to go there. So I did. And I told her, I was like, you're trying to get this person to appease your feelings. You need to parent yourself. And she's like, not in this world. I'm like, you need to parent yourself. <laughs> but I couldn't not. It was like, I had to help her. Anyways, she came back and she saved this relationship and it like changed her life. And I was like, Aww. oh my gosh. Like, and I don't even like, this is not really my realm of work, but I'm like, yeah. I just feel so called to help people. I mean, it is and it isn't. Like I do help people like, yeah themselves and their intuition, but just not specifically in relationships. But now like, yeah, it's just really powerful. So, oh my gosh, I feel like I could talk to you forever and I've taken you already to the hour mark. (laughs) Um, Joy. And I appreciate you so much. You're wonderful. Thank you. So what are some, I guess like in conclusion, I'll ask you this like one question, like what is one thing, one thing that you believe that most people won't agree with? This is like a truth bomb moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that we manifest all everything, every, every single thing in your life. And these are fighting words, but that includes physical ailments and physical illnesses. And um, people can, really get up in arms like, Oh, I created my own cancer. And I would say yes. And I know that that can really, uh, rub people the wrong way. Um, I know it, uh, from, for me, I think it really rubbed, uh, my father the wrong way that I said, well, yeah, I, I definitely manifested this like fatal colon twist. Um, and he happened to have the same one. So before me, and I, I've learned everything I've learned from him. And I believe that um, we manifest every physical illness and everything into our life. 
thoughts or things. And every single thing that is taken part to you is, is on you. And I know that people, oh, so that was my fault. I got in an accident. Yes. Like every single thing. The beauty of that is that once you start to say that everything is my fault, everything that's happened in my life, I am responsible for, you now know that you have the power to change. So that, you know, and you can heal yourself. So if you can make yourself sick, you can also heal yourself. So that is the beauty in that. But I know that people will, will vehemently disagree with me. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's so beautiful. And that's become a part of my core message is all about radical self-responsibility and radical self-honesty. Yay! Two things that of all the coaching and therapy, like those are the two things that have really led me down the path of like freedom and inner peace. So yes, power, 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 just empower. Right. So where, um, your work is so amazing. Thank you. Like how can the listeners learn more work with you? Do you have like a freebie you want to share or just, yeah. Sure. Um, if you go to my website, www.tiehunter, which is T-Y-E, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, so Ty, T-Y-E, H-U-N-T-E-R, um, you can get a free anxiety relief hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you can book a, a free consultation. We can talk about a session. Um, I'm also on Instagram, at Tyler Hunter. Um, which is uh, T-Y-E-L-E-R. I know that's a different spelling mostly. It's uh, the other way around, T-Y-L-E-R, but it's T-Y-E-L-E-R, Hunter. You can connect with me and DM um, with me on there, and you can always email me uh, via my website, and I'm on Facebook as well. Cool. And if someone um, in your RTT therapy sessions, is that usually, I'm assuming it's not just a one-off session, right? Like you, or I shouldn't assume that. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about like what that looks like to work with you. So my RTT session, it depends on what you're kind of dealing with, what you want to change. Um, there are some, some that are one-off. So if you have like a fear of flying or you have a phobia or you want to stop smoking, that would be a one-off. If it's something that's a little bit more deep and something that you got to work on, like anxiety or depression, um, of course, I would love to, you know, transform you in one session it has happened. So there's definitely, I think the people that have done the work and really are on the path, there's also people that will have, um, you know, transformative coaching sessions with me in between their hypnotherapy, because then they can really just ingrain the tools and work even more to get that self-love and that self-fulfillment. And that's my mission is to instill self-love in each and every one of the people that cross my path. So, um, it's, it's transformative. I can speak for myself, but I've also done RTT hypnotherapy and it's transformed my whole life. Yeah. Amazing. Ty, thank you so much for being here today. I'm, I don't know how I found you, but I think it was on Facebook somewhere and I just was really drawn to your energy. I think I saw your website and I was like, I'm just going to reach out to her. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's so fun. And I'm so, I'm so grateful that we've connected and I truly believe that every person that comes into my life, truly believe, including clients and everyone, they're just manifested and I manifested you and you manifested me and it was absolutely meant to be, which I love. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brand Interrupted Podcast. 
I so appreciate you and your time. And to show that appreciation, I want to give you a free gift. Head over to untamedrevolution.com forward slash gift to get instant access to my free three-part Audaciously You on Camera video series, a step-by-step on how to share your story, craft your core message, master your energy, infuse your personality, and boost your charisma on camera so you can amplify your impact with video and turn viewers into dream clients. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, bisous from Paris. Ciao, ciao.